Save big money now on new siding from LP Smart Side at Menards. Update and beautify your home with your choice of 13 timeless colors of pre finished engineered siding. It's durable and includes a Sherwin Williams factory finish paint warranty that means no painting for years to come. View our entire selection of siding from LP Smart Side today. And don't forget to check out our flyer on Menards.com for all the great deals happening now. Save big money at Menards. This is a podcast from Minute Media. Hey, Fred, we need to get this show started. You want a refill before we get going? Yeah, I could use one. Okay, well, here you go. All right, well, I guess we got to do this, so let's cue up the music. Okay. Welcome to the Front Porch, Braves Country. This is Off Leo's Rocker, the podcast of TomahawkTake.com. I'm Alan Carpenter, and beside me on the porch is senior writer Fred Owens. Hi, Fred! It's time to talk Atlanta Braves and all things baseball. This week, the streak is over. We talked about that last week as the Cubs got them. But the Braves have gone 4-1 since dropping that first pair of games to the Cubs. Since then, I won't say it's been a dominating performance this week so far, but anytime you can beat a team like the Giants three games to one, it's a good thing. So, in, in fact, I was asked by a radio host this week if I would take a 4-3 and three record against the Giants and Dodgers this week. And I was kind of, yeah, I probably would, although I was sort of holding out for maybe a 5-2 and because the Giants and Dodgers both seemed that they were ready to be uh, beaten, perhaps, uh, based on their records in June. And I didn't want to kind of rule out the idea of a 5-2 and two record and... So I was hedging my bet. I wasn't being committal about anything there, but at the same time, three and one's a good start and gives you a good chance to get that five and two. So that's what's been going on this week. They have just now finished up with the Giants. The Dodgers are coming to town. And Fred, what do you think about this week? What, how that's been going for you? Well, I think, I think we learned a couple of things this week. First of all, we jumped up this big league today, uh, against, against the Giants. And everybody says, oh, 6-1, 7-1, blah, blah, blah. But the one thing that the Giants are, the, the Giants are the oldest team in the league by total total age or average age. And they've got players on that team that know that you don't give up just because you're down. You you chip away, chip away, chip away. So they came up in the ninth inning with a chance to win this game. And Jock sent one into the chop house because he's a guy that knows that too. And and then he brought up Longoria. And I said, this could be a, be a bad ninth inning. The point of it is that the young guys need to need to uh, internalize that. We need to if we get down, we don't need to wait till the seventh eighth inning to come back. We need to take the same approach that the Giants took against us. Okay, Giants pitching wasn't good. We got to them early. We held them off. Um, and Dansby, boy, he's got the whole team strapped on his back right now. I mean, you <laughs> you just I I threw something out there. It's a clutch with Dansby's face, and I said. Here's Clutch Swanson again, and and by golly, it came through. Uh, he's uh, of course he's walkier, but he's doing this. Uh, we had Olson showed up. Uh, even Ozuna, the the batter hit Ozuna, the pitcher hit Ozuna's bat, and it went out the ballpark a couple of times. <laughs> uh, all kinds of the bottom of the RC got hits. I I don't know what's into this. Uh, 
But, you know, the team seems to have that belief in themselves that they didn't have, I don't know, six weeks ago, seven weeks ago. You know, if they got down early in the year, it was, oh, my, what are we, uh, and now you get down and you say, these guys are going to come back. Yeah, they've got an 18-3 and record now in June. That's the best in baseball. That leads the Yankees by half a game. You know, we'll take that. Uh, I mean, that is exactly what they needed to do to get back in this race in the NL East. They're four games back of the Mets now. They've made up six and a half since the beginning of the month. That's huge. And it's it's going to continue to to be a, a situation where they've got a chance to make up some more if they can continue to beat some good teams now because the Mets themselves are are struggling. Well, I, I can't say they're struggling. They're still over 500 for the month, but they've definitely got a schedule that uh, does, isn't going to allow them to go off and run and hide for a while. The, so. a, the Astros will take note with the Yankees not playing day because currently it's a sixth inning and the Astros are up 6-3. They took, a three, they took a three-run lead in the, in the top of the first, and then the Yankees tied it with Stanton, hit one into the third deck in the bottom of the first. So uh, so they're now up uh, 6-3 in the sixth. Yeah, ain't a, that's a game I wish I was watching right now. Because <laughs> you get two juggernauts like that, that's, that's some good baseball. But I want to go back to the game, you know, you you talk about comebacks and all. This Braves team did a great comeback of their own in the ninth inning of the second game of this series. There's a situation that arose that I just want to highlight a little bit here. Early this week, the Braves called up Mike Ford from AAA. Now, I admit that was news to me because I didn't even remember that he had been part of the organization. He's been bouncing around all over the place. He's, he has been a Yankee. But in the last year, he's been a member of, I think, the Tampa Bay Rays, Seattle, the Giants, and now the Braves. He's sort of seen every corner of the country. And I think that I saw a comment that uh, he's down to one bag to travel with because <laughs> he just had so much stuff he was carrying around. But he still hasn't gotten into a game. But I still think he affected the outcome of that game. Because in the ninth inning there, when the Braves had things going for him, Phil Gosselin was put in to pinch run for Matt Olson, and I don't think that Snicker does that move if Mike Ford's not available to play first base in a potential 10th inning, because as it turns out, Gosselin ended up coming all the way around and, and uh, running out uh, the play to to score the winning run. I don't know that Olson would have been able to score on that play that Gosselin did, and yet, uh, again, because Mike Ford was available, the Braves won that game, even though he was never in the game. Kind of interesting little thing there, but it's sometimes about your personnel and how you use them. Well, that's why, you know, that's it's the thing with why you don't DH the backup catcher. Because if you if your catcher gets injured, then you lose your DH, and so you try not to do that. He's done it a few times, and he's got a he's got a backup to the backup catcher and all that kind of thing. But he he would probably just give up the DH to put the catcher in the slot. So if you don't have anybody you you trust as the first baseman to, to replace, and I know RC has stood there a few times, and Goslin stood there a few times. I know those those guys are there, and Duvall's played it a couple of times, but they're not first basemen. Right. And and Ford is uh Ford has been he's been in 30, 42 games this year and he's hitting 182 for the Giants in Seattle, but that doesn't mean that he's he's a power threat first off, left-handed power threat off the bench. 
and and a good first baseman or at least an above average first baseman and he can he can step in if Sproles and that's that's his value right now. I think it's an excellent point uh and it did did change the strategy quite a bit. The game of course Dansby hit started that off with that home run. Yeah. And when he hit that home run he said we're in this because all, he's been lighting the fire all week. Uh, and it as as the as the thing went on, you know, it, it worked out exactly that way. So um, he's going to get a big contract, I think, or bigger contract than I thought. Yeah, and that's the thing I want to talk about next. You mentioned it's his walk year, and you know he, he won his arbitration case. The Braves have to pay him ten million bucks a year now, or at least ten million bucks this year. Now the question is, now what do they do? Because he's now playing himself into bigger and bigger dollars, or at least it seems like he is. There's also an interesting little uh, wrinkle here, too. His agent is the same agent Freddie Freeman has. And I wonder if that agent has learned something in the last year about uh, how to negotiate with the Atlanta Braves and, and Alex Anthopoulos and or how much are the how far are the Braves willing to go to perhaps try and bring Dansby back? That's the question I've got uh, for you is what do you do now uh, that Swanson is increasing his value? He's finally really breaking out to the kind of player that we have kind of been hoping and ex- maybe expecting him to be all along. But what kind of contract do you give to a guy who's already 28 and a half years old? Well, I think uh, here's the thing. I think you give Swanson six years. I, I you know, the question is if, if the dollar amount is an issue, um, earlier this year, I we I asked some folks over to MLB Trade Rumors in the front office chat about that, and we sort of came down in somewhere between uh, somewhere around 80 million, uh, in in some way, shape, or form. And, you know, if you if you because we're sort of looking at maybe I don't know 15 to 18 million a year. Uh, now I understand that uh, people are going to say, oh, yeah, but you know you, you you need you need to look at what he's doing this year, folks, and. and Right now, Dansby's the third third in the major leagues in stuff war behind Tommy Edm, Edam, or how the heck you pronounce his name, Tony Edmund, and Xander Bogarts. And then he's ahead of Trey Turner, Jeremy Pena, Francisco Lindor, Corey Seager, J.P. Crawford, Bobby Witt Jr., all the way down. In fact, he's got he's twice got twice what J.P. Crawford's got, twice uh, and one and a half times what Corey Seager's got, um, and, and in terms of war and. Um, <laughs> Okay, his 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 uh, weighted runs created is only 131, <clears throat> mm-hmm. only 131, which puts him in fourth place. Um, so or fifth place, you get two people tied for third. But the offensive side of Swanson is up this year. He's still playing the smart glove out there. I think the Braves really really want to keep him. He's the same age essentially as Olson, and you know. Even if he slows down a little bit at shortstop, he was never a speed demon at shortstop. I I think you give him six years and something around eighty five ninety. Okay, if it were, let's see, let's say it's a hundred million. Okay, divide that by six years. That's sixteen and two thirds million per. That's certainly not out of the question, you'd think. I'm just looking at the rest of the roster as, as it formulated right now. Charlie Morton's the guy who's getting the most money this year at 20 mil. Uh, Kenley Jansen's at 16. Seems like he may have gotten a bonus, but I can't remember. I, uh, 16 seems a little on the light side. Ozuna is 16 this year, 18 for the next two. 
Uh, Acuna. Unless we can trade him. Acuna is on this nice long-term deal that uh, peaks out at 17. So he's never going to make more than that. He's getting 15 now. Matt Olson's contract will peak at 22. So if you want to say that it's sort of scaled to those kind of numbers, I, I think 16 to 18 probably is about the right range for him if he'll take it. And I, honestly, I don't know that six years is the wrong number, even from their point of view. I would like to think that uh, that would be enough to, to, to get him. Now, I don't know if that's what Alex Antopoulos has in mind, but I, I guess I would hope so. But 16 to 18 million, 100 million bucks, 105 maybe. That that sounds like it uh, might might fit for him. Now I don't know when they're uh, intending to offer this. If they're trying to get this done before the end of the year, or if they're just going to wait and have him try free agency. But uh, boy, I'd hate to lose him now, especially uh, given that he's uh, busting out and and really uh, formed up as a team leader. Yeah, I, I think sometimes we we see players on the field and we judge them exactly how they do everything on the field, and and that's ninety nine percent of or ninety five percent of it. But in in Swanson's case, sometimes we underestimate what he does in the clubhouse, what he does positioning the infield. He really captains that infield out there. You look around at who's directing traffic out there. It's Dansby. He's the one that goes into the mound. He has his love. He's talking to everybody out there. He's the one that moves people around out there. He's the one that gets in the right place at the right time. Compare him to Brandon Crawford, okay? When Crawford was at in his prime, he was Andrelton Simmons, right up on Andrelton Simmons' tail uh, defensively. As he grew older, he became more of a power bat, and the Giants gave him a big contract at 34. So (laughs) if you take Dansby through his age, well, like I said, six years, 34, into his age 34 and a half year, 35 year, that's not too far. Uh, unless unless something drastic happens, that's not too far. And a hundred million dollars is probably higher than I would go on that. But you know, I expect them to ask for more than that. But again, if it's in in Freddie's case, it was years more than dollars, and the Braves wouldn't go that because he was going to play it play at thirty two thirty two years old, thirty one thirty two years old. Right. Dansby's younger than that. They just gave Olson that big contract. <laughs> at age 28, okay? So, you know, you've got to say, is Dansby worth as much as Olsen? I'm, I'm not sure in terms of power numbers he is. Uh, I we I don't think he'll break 100, but he'll be damn, he'll be damn close to it. And I think Anthopolis knows this because the next man after him is Trey Turner. When you hit the market next year, if you say, okay, Dansby's told us to go fly a kite, who do we go? Well, we go to Trey Turner. Trey Turner, what do you think Trey Turner's going to get next year? Now, Trey Turner doesn't have a specific tool. Uh, his specific tool is speed, and if they, if he's not, if he's not, he can be he's not a great a great defender anymore or great if he gets to balls, but a lot of times he doesn't make the clean play on them. So I'm not, and this you know we're we're picking fly poop out of black pepper when we talk about not making the clean play with Trey Turner's a great shortstop. When you look around the league and you go, okay, are we going to pay for Carlos Correa if he comes out? No, we're not. If Bogarts come <laughs> out, are we going to beat? Are we going to beat the offer that the that the Red Sox made to Bogarts? He told him to go fly a kite. No, we're not mm-hmm. going to do that either. So then, where do you go? 
if you don't go to Swanson, where do you go? And exactly. Swanson lives in Atlanta, born in Atlanta, lives in Atlanta, you get married in Atlanta. That's his home. If you give him a good reason to stay there, he's going to stay. If you piddle putts around with him and, and treat him like he's an old man, he can play for the Dodgers because they need a shortstop next year. And I bet yeah, you Freddie he, Freeman's on the door going, if you can get that guy. <laughs> yeah, but at the same time, you also got uh, the fact that, you know, Dansby's taking a look at what happened in the saga with Freddie over last year. And if he wants to play with the same team for the entirety of his career, he knows what it's going to take. Uh, he knows that he's going to have to maybe take a little less. But at the same time, he's he's where he's comfortable. He's where he, he wants to be right now, i I got to believe. And... This team's going to be good for a while. I don't know that he can guarantee that he ends up in a team that's going to be good for a while if if he doesn't get the Dodgers or or somebody like that. Says, or the uh, Yankees. You know, most most of the good teams already have an established shortstop. The Yankees are playing Einer Kia Falafa shortstop, and, and they've and, and they've done better than they had last year. <laughs> yeah, that way. but and 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 that's because he's a he's not a swing for the fences kind of guy, and he's he's a he plays clean shortstop, but yes. I, but Kia Falafel is not in the. Well, where is he at on this list? Uh, he's he's number sixteen with point zero six WAR. Dansby six times five five times better than him. Okay, so they'll year. be looking for somebody like Korea, maybe. They will. They will. <laughs> or Bogarts. Yeah, and, and so you know you sort of look at who's available, and you say, well, who's who's my competition? Well, your competition is is L A L A. And New York, okay, those three teams will all need shortstops next year. And if Pena doesn't turn turn it around in Houston, they might be looking for a shortstop next year. There's money out there looking for a shortstop. And if you don't don't pay reasonable price, then you, you could lose him too. I don't think Alex will do that. I think the age played into Freeman's thing. He was not going beyond X years old. And this does, that doesn't come into play with Dansby, and I, I just think he'll sign. I think they'll get it, get it done, and if, maybe they have to front load it to make the money work. But if they do that, that's fine. He's still getting his money. He still gets to stay at home. I, yeah. I, I just, you know, I said this last year. If Freddie gets gets to free agency, he's gone, and he did, and he is. If Dansby gets past gets past the first of December, he's gone too. Now, there was an interview that Jeff Francoeur gave uh, with Jason Stark on his podcast this last week, and he had an interesting thought about Freeman and his little saga, and his his theory was that if COVID hadn't happened, if uh, the lockout hadn't happened, if those things had, had not busted up uh, communications in, in the process, that Freddie would probably still be a brave. I, I, I don't think that. That's, that's absolutely true, yes. I think there's some, some good merit to those thoughts. Now, Dansby's not really got those kind of hindrances, yet here he is in the latter, almost the last half of his last year under team control, and we don't have a contract. So I, I guess I'm wondering, are they going to try and get this done uh, soon? Because if they don't... Would we know, would we know if they they weren't trying to get it done? Well, no, that, that's no, right. We Remember, the, hey, Alex has popped up before the, before the break and said, hey, we just extended Joe Bagadonis over here. And everybody goes, what the hell? Uh, and and because that's the way he works, you're not going to yeah. find out anything. You're not going to find out anything at all until it happens. Yeah, I'm kind of hoping the All Star break is a, a good time to have that happen, but we'll have to 
watch and wait like the rest of us, uh, uh, just to see if anything does pop up. Cause if, if it gets down to August, September, I, I think, uh, we're in, we're in trouble there. So, um, speaking of the all-star break, we've got voting results. The all-star ballots are out. Uh, we've been talking about that a little bit, but now we actually have numbers from the, the first, uh, release of standings and they're quite interesting. Um, you know, now we've had obviously a lot more interest in the Braves this year with their world championship. The attendance at the ballparks has been through the roof. Merchandise purchases also. Uh, I think all that's contributing to a heck of a lot of uh, votes going to Braves position players on the All-Star game. So let me go through some of those real quick and then see if you got any uh, thoughts on, on that as we do so. In the catcher category, Wilson Contreras of the Cubs, probably the guy who deserves it the most, uh, is leading. But number two is Travis Darneau. He's quite a bit back, but he is second. He's ahead of Yadier Molina by a little bit. And then uh, Tyler Stevenson, Will Smith, James McCann, and JT Real Muto is actually seventh for the Phillies, a way back. He's only got 127, 128,000 votes, while Contreras is leading with 801,000. Darneau has 470, about 472,000. Obviously a distant second, but the fact that he is second kind of puts him in line in to uh, perhaps uh, win himself a, a spot, and maybe not as a starter, but uh, certainly as as a backup possibility. What do you think uh, on the catching um, situation right now? Well, I think I think Darno's deserves to be there. Um, I, you're right. Wilson Contreras is going to be the All Star catcher. Uh, that's why the Cubs aren't going to trade him until after the break. Um, and uh, Darno deserves to be there. Molina's going to be there because it's Molina's um, goodwill tour before he, he leaves. And so he's going to be there come hell or high water, which is why I think the Cardinal fans aren't voting for him like they are Goldschmidt, who is just blowing the world away at first base. Um, yeah. And uh, so I think I think that they understand that Molina and Pujols are both going to be at the All-Star game because it's their last year and maybe Wayno too. Uh, because it's their last year, uh, but uh, Darno certainly deserves to be there. I'm shocked that the Phillies fans dislike the Phillies so much that they aren't voting for Real Muto. I'm also a little shocked that Will Smith isn't farther up the line than he is. Uh, uh, but again, uh, Contreras is a guy to be there. He's 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 been the best uh, all around except for his little brother. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't think that uh, yeah, we're going to see that the Dodger fans really aren't showing up very much uh, so far, and I think that's kind of curious. But uh, let me go on to first base. You mentioned Paul Goldschmidt. He has twice the number of votes that Molina does at catcher. He's at 930,000. You mentioned he had a big lead. There it is. Pete Alonso is at 600,000 and change. He's, he's second right now. Freddie Freeman's third. Uh, 469,000. I guess you'd call that a distant third. Matt Olson, 400,000 and change. He's fourth. Then it's a big gap back to Eric Hosmer at 147,000 and then whoever else is on the list. It, it doesn't even matter. Those guys aren't hardly uh, getting any votes at all. Uh, but I, I guess this is, the Braves fans saying, yeah, I, I lo- love you, Matt Olson, but uh, we haven't quite warmed up to you yet, I suppose. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, 
I, I said on the radio the other day that uh, after I made all the fans mad, maybe, but I said on the radio the other day that the Braves fans have this glowing memory of the perfect Freddie. And, and there were times Freddie wasn't perfect, okay? Freddie had slumps. Freddie didn't take over as the man. He, he, he struggled into that harness. He eventually got it underway. He, he did, made some mis, uh, mistakes early on and his fellow players. And, and finally he got all, he got that underway. You know, it's not, it wasn't like he was fighting with anybody, but it took him a while to do that. Everybody remembers how it was in 2021. Very few people remember how it was in 2013, 2012, when he was saying, well, you know, um, you know, I can do this, I can do that, I have Chipper lean on, I have all these guys here. Uh, and so, Freeman, it's like I told him on the radio, Olsen's a great first baseman. He is. He will be fine. It takes a while to adapt to your infield. I yeah. know that people don't believe that. But if you get out there, you talk to the first baseman, they want to go out and they want to get as many balls as they can from the guys in play action to know what's coming because they know by instinct who's going to throw where and what situation. And he's not been with the team long enough to do that. Short spring training, we're, what, 80 games into the year. Uh, okay, he's doing okay. He's, he's made a couple of scoops that didn't work. He expected the ball to bounce different. Things like that, it didn't happen. And while I'm not forgiving the errors, I understand them happening, and I understand why. Olsen's going to be fine. He's going to be a he's got he's going to be a good solid first baseman for a long time for the Braves. He's going to win more Gold Gloves. Um, but there's this there's this feeling out there that uh, uh, either on one hand they wish he was back, on the other hand he's such a jerk because he left. And I <laughs> I, I have trouble consolidating that. Okay, I I don't know. I don't know how you how you draw those two together. He took what the deal was because the Braves moved on from him because they wouldn't take the offer from his agent. Okay, yeah. his agent said my way or the highway, and Alex waved him off. Said have fun on the highway, and went out and got Olson because he could not wait. He just yep. could not wait any longer. And uh, you know if he waits and Freeman signs in, the, in California anyway, then he's screwed. So yeah. he had to do it, and he moved on, and he did it. Nobody's right. Nobody's wrong in this. Freeman did what he did. His boy, he followed his agent's advice. That's what he's supposed to tell the agent what he wants. When the agent tells him this is the best you're getting, he takes that unless he can find out otherwise beforehand. He Anthopoulos waited as long as he could for him to come to us, and he didn't. So that's fine. Freddie's getting got a good job. I wish Freddie all the luck in the world, except when he's playing us. Uh, Freddie Freeman's a stud and a star and a hell of a fella. And I, I, I have anybody boos him. I don't understand why you would boo this man. What, who got up and twisted your ears and made you mad in the morning? This is just, that's just silly. The man, the man, <laughs> if you, if, if somebody offered you, said, you said, I want $1,000 a week and the, your boss only offered you 700 and you would go someplace else and get the, get the thousand. He goes, wait, I'll give you that thousand. No, I'm sorry. I already signed over here. So this this just stupid. It's just bad, bad, bad vibes. And booing is silly anyway. All booing does is make the guy you're booing feel good. Hey, they're scared of me. They're scared of me. Yeah. That's why they're booing me. I mean, yeah, no. Freddie's case. Freddie hadn't punched anybody, slid into anybody, hit anybody with a batter ball. Freddie's the nicest guy in the game, and you're booing him. They must be scared of me. Yeah, and I I keep having this nagging feeling even as you're going through that rant that. Uh, 
we might be having the same exact conversation next year with Dansby's name in there instead of Freeman's, but uh, we'll we'll have to see how that goes along as we've talked about already. Let me go to second base uh, and move this along a little bit. Uh, Jazz Chisholm of the Marlins is number one right now. I think that's really cool that uh, we've got a Marlin leading the way in in any of and these I think voting he's the best, things. I think he's the best of the National League right now too. He earned. I that. do. I do too, and I think personality is winning in second base because Ozzy Albies is second. He's not going to play, obviously, but he's he's second in voting is actually reasonably close between he and Chisholm. Uh, Jeff McNeil's third, and then there's this huge gap down to Gavin Lux of the Dodgers, and then Nolan Gorman, Jake Cronenworth, who should be a lot higher than that, and uh, on down the list. Let me go ahead and uh, move on to third base. Manny Machado is leading by a wide margin at third. Nolan Arenado is second, but right behind him is Austin Riley. Then there's this huge gap again where the Dodger fans didn't show up yet, and there's only a quarter million votes to, to Justin Turner. But uh, how cool is it that Austin Riley is competing with Arenado for, for a spot in the All-Star game here? I think I think people are understanding now just how good Riley can be at third base. He's a big guy. He moves he moves really well for a big guy. He's got a cannon for an arm. And okay, he's behind the, probably to the two best third basemen in the game right now are one and two in that in that list. If you're yeah. up there kicking him in the shins and say get out of my way, you're a damn good third baseman. And he's hitting well. He had that little slump. He's up and down. Uh, he tries to do too much at times. But he's young. He's young. These uh, Arenado and, and Machado have been around a long time, and they're, they're, uh, Machado was a shortstop, and, and Arenado he's been around. He was a catcher for Christ's sake, but he's been around the game a long time. And these guys uh, are the best in the business now. Uh, for Riley to be right there kicking Arenado or kicking Arenado in the tail. That's wonderful. Uh, it's recognition of how far the young man's come and, and what Washington's done for him. And there's another guy I want to see locked up to a long-term deal. Trey Turner is that shortstop uh, lead. Dansby is second, uh, actually ahead of Francisco Lindor of the Mets. And then there's this big gap to Tommy Edmond of the Cardinals. Turner is 800,000 votes plus. Dansby almost 600,000. Lindor is about 80,000 behind him. I think that's about right, to be perfectly honest. Uh, Lindor is having a, an excellent year. I think Dansby's just busting out here, and he's continuing to get better. I mean, shoot, he had three home runs and three official at-bats in his last couple of games there for for a while and, and really got the party started today in, in the Thursday game finale of the, with the Giants. So, I, you know, we've, we've talked a lot about Dansby already, and I, I think he certainly deserves to go. Uh, Trey Turner is probably going to win this, but at the same time, uh, there, there's another position player for the Braves that's going to get a slot probably. Yeah, I kind of dumped on Trey Turner earlier in the, but Turner, what Turner's right now is a package of, of tools that can beat you. He's fast. He's quick. He puts the ball in play. He can, he can bunt, he can bunt for a hit. He can, he can steal you a base. Uh, yes. he can score from first base. He's got all those things. Not hitting for power, not close to uh, not close to Dansby's offensive numbers, but the whole package is so important to where the Dodgers are now. Can you imagine the Dodger infield without Trey Turner? Yeah, if Trey, really. If Trey, if Trey Turner went down like Francisco Tatis went down for the Padres, the Dodgers would just be would vanish without a trace. 
because he's what holds that infield together. You got Max Muncy hitting a buck eighty, buck eighty five at second base. Justin Turner's hurt. The Freddie's at first. He feels like he's carrying the infield again, but he's got Turner out there. Much like Swanson was for him here, who's pulling everything together, pulling the strings and being in the right place. I think Turner deserves the votes, but, uh, you know, it won't up my feelings if Swanson passed him. But I think Turner, in this case, for what he's done, the bulk of his work, he deserves the votes, and he's in the right spot. But he's not going to get much more money than Dan's being in the offseason, so it's going to be a, going to be a fun thing. By the way, I, I looked it up. He's about six months Seven months older than Dansby, yep. uh, so the difference isn't really hardly worth mentioning. Except yeah. that Turner re- relies on his legs so much. He Turner, does. Turner runs. That's right. Speed is speed is his game. Quickness and speed is his game. And if the legs go, if he has a a Ronald Acuna injury, for example, a uh, an ace or or the uh, Tommy Lastella Achilles injury, uh, that Ooh. that sets that sets Turner back a good deal. Now I don't wish anybody to get hurt. I don't want anybody to get hurt. I don't want to take anybody that wrong the wrong way. I love to watch Trey Turner play the game as long as he's not playing against us. But but uh, I I just think that you know you 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 look at what he offers a team and you say well he offers a package and without the speed I'm, I don't think the package is nearly as good. Yeah, there are two guys in the game right now that I can point to that I think are really annoying to the Braves. One is Trey Turner, the other is Jazz Chisholm. Uh, <laughs> and I love them Al- both. I, I love them both. I love Jazz Chisholm to them. I do. Yes, I do. I do. I, I wish you played for us. Designated hitters. Now, here's the interesting one. Bryce Harper leads. That's not a surprise, although the fact that he's getting almost 10 times the votes that, say, Real Muto's getting is maybe surprising, but maybe he's getting votes from other places other than Philadelphia. The surprise is who's in second place, and it's it's really not that close. It's like one tier where Harper is, a second tier where this guy is, third tier where Albert Pujols is, then Everybody else, led by Max Muncy, down at 190,000 votes. But yeah. in second place right now, with 584,000 votes for a designated hitter, is William Contreras. How cool is that? Willie the Kid. By golly, I'm, I'm happy for him. It Wouldn't it be wonderful if both him and, and Wilson were at the All-Star Game together? Yeah. I, I, think that, I think that would be so, so cool to get them both on the all-star team for Willie the Kid's first full gear in, in the league, and he's hitting the ball so well. He's such a better hitter than he was when we first saw him come up. And yes. he's, he's so much better at seeing and recognizing the zone. People talk about the Braves hitting coaches a lot, but Seitzer's done a hell of a job with some of these young players. And, and I think, I think Willie the Kid is, is, is one of those players. I'm, I'd just be ever so happy if, if the two Contreras, the Contreras brothers were there at the end of the All-Star dugout at the same time. And you know, I think his defense on, as a catcher has improved dramatically as well. I, I just was thinking, when have we really had problems with wild pitches and pass balls? Not this year. We've certainly had that in the past several years, but it seems like the defense has been shored up like crazy. He's handling pitchers well. 
He, he's framing well. When he's back behind the plate, I don't have any concerns defensively. And that's far cry from what it's been in the past. So it, it, certainly he's been working on this hard, uh, maybe leaning on his brother for some advice, maybe uh, for some tips along the way, or or maybe it's just the Braves coaches. But either way, it, it's a excellent uh, step forward that he's taken. And I'm honestly no longer really uh, worried about having lost Shay Langoliers in, in that trade. We talk about how good Langoliers are. Langoliers are Shay's bit is it doing certain Shea, defensive yeah. things. If if he hits, he can hit a little less than William and be a stud catcher. It's, there's a separation, but there isn't a lot of separation. And I think that we, we look back at the catchers on the championship teams. Okay, and the the catchers on the championship teams they weren't oh they weren't the great framers you know Kurt Suzuki <laughs> was a, was the I love Kurt Suzuki not a great framer but Nationals championship team and he keeps getting jobs because he can handle the pitching out there and the reason that Maldonado's with Houston is not because he hits but it's because he's so good with their very very young pitchers he's like yes. Darno was was with our pitchers he talks to the pitchers all the time he's all the time helping them out there you couldn't get Maldonado out of that job with it with a tractor trailer and a winch he just wouldn't move because they want him there talking to those pitchers. Sal Fasano's did great with Contreras. He spent the winter with his brother, learning everything he could from him. I think those two things together uh, and the opportunity, and they said, well, here it is, Willie, go get him. After Pena got hurt, I think that that was the catalyst, and he decided, I'm going to take this and hold it. Nobody getting this back. I love Willie Contreras. I, I think he's a wonderful. We've got a lot of great young kids on this team, great people. You know, people you love to see succeed all the way around. And, uh, I know Heredia's not young, but he's cool too. You know, you get these, you, we got, we got so many people on this team that are really great that, you know, if, if there's somebody out there who isn't, they just, they, they get all covered up in the trash. I mean, these, uh, Contreras and, and Swanson and Riley, these guys are all fine people. And the young Harris kid, what a stud. They, they, mm. This is, this is a fine core of people. We just got to hold them together. Let's go to outfield. The leading vote getter in the National League right now is Mookie Betts of the Dodgers, which who's probably getting votes from elsewhere since the Dodger fans aren't voting. And number two, actually pretty close behind him, is Ronald Acuna. No big surprise there. Then there's this huge gap where he cut all the votes in half, but third place is Jock Peterson, oddly enough. I think he's getting votes. Yeah, I I love love that too, but I think he's getting votes for about four or five different cities there. (laughs) Starling Marte next. Then Juan Soto is actually fifth in the voting. He's not having a very good year, really, at this point, which is unfortunate for him for future contract considerations. He's going to have to step that up a little bit. But sixth is Adam Duvall. Eighth is... Marcel Ozuna, I don't think they're going to, yeah, <laughs> I didn't expect that response exactly, but yeah, Cooney's going to make it, there's no doubt about that, we we know that, that we got three positions in the outfield, and he's going to take one of those, I don't know that either of the other guys are going to make the team, but I mean, when you take it in total, that lines up six position players, counting Albies, but he's not going to play, who could get at least named to the all-star team as a uh, starter or reserve. I think that's pretty cool because this uh, sort of an acknowledgement of the championship team that the Braves had in, in 2021. And it's nice to have that uh, all-star game to sort of celebrate that one more time. Yeah. I, I, you know, I look at this outfield and I go, 
Well, you know, this is not the outfield I'd have predicted two years ago or three years ago. Uh, I mean, I always, I thought Acuna would be there and Betts would get there, but I would never have put Jock Peterson in there as much as I love <laughs> Jock, and I do. I think Jock's wonderful. Uh, I, I, you know, I was sorry we didn't bring him back, but I would never pre- um, predicted him being the third place vote getter in, in for left field. You know, and I would have I would have said Sono's going to be there because. He, you know, people, the Braves likes, uh, Braves fans don't like Juan Soto very much, but the kid's a stud. He's one of the best hitters, best, best pure hitters in the game. Defensively, okay, but he can hit anybody's pitches at any time, and you just really, you really have to appreciate talent like that. Uh, I think, you know, uh, Harris's arrival is too late for the All-Star game, but Rookie of the Year is not out of his reach. And yeah. I, so I, you know, if we get three or four players on the all-star team, it's, you know, it's a wonderful season for us. Uh, we, it's been a long time since we've had that kind of representation. Uh, we're going to get a pitcher on there, I'm certain. Uh, you know, you're going to get a Max Fried on there, maybe, or maybe a Kyle Wright, uh, on there, uh, to, uh, to go in there. So I don't know who's pitching when, and I haven't tried to figure out who's going to pitch this Sunday and uh, blah, blah, blah. But but you're going to get a you're going to get at least one maybe two of our our starters on that and that's another thing that nobody would have predicted either of course uh, Scherzer's injury Degrom's injury uh, pulled them out of it and then you know uh, the Bueller. others been, uh, Castello's been Castillo's been up and down and uh, Buber's on uh, on the IL now and so but you're going to get a couple of brace pitchers out there too and it just speaks to where the strong points are of the roster and um, you know. How how strong we're going to be up the middle of the field, which is uh, always the important thing. When you're center fielder, you're your double play people, pitcher and catcher. If you're strong up the middle of the field, you're going to be fine. It may may not always work out, but you're going to be fine as a team. And right now, the the lineup looks like that. Well, let's go now to talk about a little bit more in in pitching, uh, or at least pitchers. We we're kind of talk about last week a little bit about what happens when maybe Mike Soroka comes back, who gets displaced from the roster, from the rotation or, you know, do we do a piggyback kind of thing or something like that? Have you heard anything new about uh, Mike Soroka in the last week? Uh, well, no, I mean, he's throwing and he's on his, he's on schedule as far as I know, but he's, I don't believe he's actually throwing in games yet. He's throwing the live batters, but I don't think it's in a game situation, if you know what I mean. The word, what, what Anthopolis said over in his interview last Friday was around the trade deadline, he expects Soroka to be back. And that's about what we've been saying all year. Now, uh, Rosario, Eddie Rosario, changing off pitchers quickly, he had his eyes tested today, and they will tell him, uh, and I ask, ask a question that never got answered, uh, on whether, uh, he, how that exam went. Uh, the exam was to clear him for going to a rehab assignment. Okay. Yeah. So if, it, if the exam cleared him, he could be back at the all-star break. Uh, but there, nothing's mentioned about Soroka other than he was on schedule and Matzik has started throwing off the mound. He's, uh, throwing, throwing, he's going to be in a rehab start down the minor league. So he's probably going to be back in a couple of weeks. Uh, and so you're, but, but Soroka is probably, uh, you're you're talking about Soroka as a deadline acquisition, and he's going to come up ready to throw maybe four innings a game, five maybe. Uh, he might be able to pick up you know some innings from Strider, who's already halfway to his former grand total for 
in his biggest year, which was last year, 94 innings. So uh, it's um, they're going to need innings somewhere at the back, whether you get that from Soroka coming up, whether they use him as a bridge from the, the middle innings guy, from from an elder or uh, Tucker Davidson or somebody like that, or they go out and find uh, some fourth starter laying around, um, you know, like Martin Perez who's having the best year of his life and probably won't have another one. But right now he's unhittable, so – you know, you this is that hot hand thing that, that uh, he did last year when he grabbed those three bats. He said, well, if I get one of these guys back, we're in business, and bang, all three of them hit. You know, he said, what, bought a lottery ticket. But, uh, <laughs> but you know, this is the kind of thing. I mean, we forget that he signed other outfielders, and they went about, went away before before that happened. Uh, but I think Soroka comes back. I think it gives us, you know, we can count on him for three or four innings. Uh, may, and maybe by the maybe by postseason he's ready to go back and be a full time starter, which would be ideal—a fully rested third starter, capable guy on the mound that nobody has seen this year. Wait, what a surprise! Uh, <laughs> so that would be good. Uh, but I haven't I haven't seen any more of that. I haven't seen anything from that other than the interview said he was on schedule. Well, yeah, I I got to think that the Braves are going to be very careful and very particular about how they do the the timetable here because once you start officially rehabbing you appear in actual competitive games in the minors that starts the 30-day clock 30-day clock is the limit of what you got in in rehab before you then either have i guess have to be promoted back to the majors and or go back on the il the clock begins when it like say whenever they decide that he's ready for games have not heard anything about uh, when that's going to happen, but it's, I guess it's got to be fairly soon. Well, uh, the other thing, the other thing is they could promote him and then option him. There's that, and then you could sort of continue to to do some rehabs that that way as well uh, if they don't think he's ready. But I mean, it's it's going to be about arm strength and it's going to be about stamina, and then also having confidence to, enough to be able to use your legs because he hasn't been able to push off on that ankle in two years. So that's going to be a, a big thing for him to overcome mentally as well as physically. i got to think, like I say, that they're going to be very careful about when to start that clock. Strider, as you mentioned, 47.2 innings. He, he kind of had a hiccup this week uh, in the Giants game, but uh, he's certainly been a, everything that the Braves have wanted and more. At the same time, you're you're right. He's not at his pitch limit yet, but he's going to get there pretty quickly if he continues in the rotation, probably by roughly the trade deadline. So now I say innings limit, the 90 innings or so that was his maximum last year. I, let me add up, say, uh, 29 plus 63. Okay, that's uh, 92 or 93, I guess. So, yeah, he... He did that, but he did that also at three different levels, not the majors. I think 110 innings, 115 innings is what what they'll go for him this year. Because I don't want to throw his, I don't want to kill his arm either. I mean, you know, they've done the back off of him and use him in relief in the in the postseason than they would mount uh, midseason, so his arm's dead when he gets to October. Yeah. And there's another situation coming up here shortly. Uh, once we get past an off day on June 27th. The Braves have 20 games in a row. That bridges the gap between June 28th and the All-Star break. 20 games in a row on 20 days. I got to think that they're going to do something a little bit different in the rotation. They really can't, especially in the heat. 
use these guys every single time their turn comes up. I got to think they're going to bring up somebody from the minors to perhaps be a sixth man in the rotation and or give somebody a day off somewhere along the way. And, and Strider might be one of those guys that gets an extra day here and there, if not uh, everybody. So I don't know what you think about that, but uh, 20 days, which is, I think, the limit by the the rules of scheduling is is how many days you can play in a row without a special waiver or something. But doing that at this time of year is, is going to be a little bit of a rough go. So I don't know what you think they might do to combat that, but uh, it's coming up here shortly. Well, your options really are Elder and, and uh, Tucker, and, you know, I don't, you know, everybody's talking about, well, you know, Schuster's out Well, yeah, I don't think they go to Schuster. Uh, no. First of all, uh, the interview that Alex had, he had to be browbeaten into bringing, bringing uh, uh, Michael Harris up. Dana Brown was on to him, sending him text messages every day saying, he's ready. <laughs> he, he's ready. We think he's ready. You should could see him. He's ready. By the way, I didn't necessarily tell you this this morning, but he's ready. And he said, he said that was primarily how Harris made the jump was that the coach, the scouts, the, the coaches down there said he could do it. Alex went to see him three times and he would look like he could do it all three times. And finally it came to the situation where we got to get Duvall out of center field. Not because he's is bad, but it's affecting him both ways. He's not hitting as well. So let's bring up the kid and see what happens. The worst, worst push come to shove is we have to send him back down. Nobody's hurt. Nobody expects a double-A player to make it. But Harris did. On the other hand, pitchers don't work like that. Okay? No. <laughs> Pitching does not work like that. Uh, and uh, when a pitcher's got stuff, got strider stuff, sure, you can jump that kid up there because, first of all, he pitches a lot older than his mind, than he is. Okay. His, his pitching brain is a lot older than he. So, uh, Strider could make that jump real easily. I don't think anybody else down there can do that. Uh, you know, you look, Tucker's probably at his, at his peak as a fourth starter. Uh, Elder's probably in that ballpark as well. Uh, Schuster's not done anything lately. Tarnock's been okay. Uh, but again, we talked about this before. He's a fourth starter probably. So unless they do something, they they could actually, you know, bring up Elder and pitch him a couple of games and send him down and bring up Tuck and throw him out there a couple of games and hope the bullpen can bridge the gap. Because you're right, 20 games, 20 days, boy, it's going to be rough. And if something happens, we get rained on somewhere, boy, it's all it all goes to hell in the handbag real quick. By the way, I'll throw in another name that's maybe a possibility, and that's Kyle Mueller. He's, oh, yeah. he's also on the roster already of the 40 man roster. So, uh, if you got to play games with the rosters or if you want to maybe mix and match some of these guys, depending on who's up in the rotation and, and Gwinnett, then he may be another, uh, option for, for Atlanta. Yeah. I didn't, mean, way, to, I didn't mean to stub yeah, new Mueller because the Muldozer can do, do a lot of things. He throws hard. If he can, he's been striking people out and he hasn't been walking people. That's his problem. If he does that at the major leagues, he'll be fine. By the way, uh, Michael Harris, two dozen games now, not counting today's, 333. I think he's doing all right. Yeah, he's, yeah. he could probably stick around. That plays. Yeah. 900 plus OPS, 1.3 F4. Yeah, that, that, that's, that's not bad for a kid there. One more thing before we get out of here, and that's, let's talk about the week ahead. Uh, now, of course, I don't want to look, a, overlook the Dodgers, the fact that uh, we got three games against those guys. But coming up afterwards is Philadelphia and Cincinnati, both on the road. 
Philadelphia may be an interesting play. It's two teams that have been playing really well lately, so that those should be good games. Cincinnati, uh, not so much, I guess. <laughs> I, I really feel for for the Reds and, and their fans. They're now at twenty three and forty five as we record this. It's just not good, and they've been getting beat up a lot lately. Like for instance, the Dodgers just went through there and and did scorched earth. It's three games that the Braves should win. They they need to win, and hopefully they can keep uh, things going before before they get there against the Dodgers and 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 uh, Philadelphia. Yeah, so uh, the Dodgers are going to be one of these things uh, we we need to concentrate on getting, and that's why Snicker's been sort of saving his bullpen, making his starters go an inning or so more than maybe he'd like to do, and trying to keep the bullpen fresh. That's why he's burning. Mentor every other inning and, and pick up for Jesse Chavez. Who won that trade? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, we got it. We've got to do well. We've got to hold in there against the Dodgers. And I think we will. They're pretty, they're pretty beat up right now. And, uh, their pitching is not what it was. Um, Bueller's out. Kershaw's just back. I think we miss him. They've got a couple of guys in there that can pitch, but nobody that we should be going, ooh, ah, about. And we get to Philadelphia. They're going to be tougher because they've been playing better and they've got their tails up a little bit, but they still have trouble catching the ball. And, you know, their bullpen still isn't great. Uh, and that didn't change. <laughs> it, you just got to get to it, put pressure on them early and put the ball in play, put the ball in play, put the ball, foul pitches off, go deep and count, swing, first pitch swinging, not it, not every time and, uh, just give them hell because we've got to take uh, of that, of those two series. We, we should win both those series. We need to win both those series to come out like, feel like we've done something. You're right. We do miss miss Kershaw. He pitched today in Cincinnati. We'll get Tony Gonsolin in the Philadelphia series, though. We get Zach Wheeler and Aaron Nola, and, and yeah, so that that means it's going to be a dogfight for for both those uh, games at least. So hey, you got to play him anyway, and you got to uh, do what you can against uh, good pitching somewhere along the way because you got to get used to that if you want to be in the playoffs and and excel in the playoffs. Yeah, and we've we've handled Nola, so I. You know, uh, Wheeler's going to be a guy that we need to be on our toes about and make him work a little bit, make him throw some pitches. But Nola, we've handled Nola. I, you know, he's a great pitcher when he's on, but but we've handled him pretty well, especially yeah. in Atlanta. He doesn't like Atlanta at all. Maybe we yeah. put up signs behind old Blake saying "Welcome to Atlanta." Oh. <laughs> uh, anything else you got before we get out of here? No, I don't think so. I think sort of sort of. Besides, I need to go and get some. Uh, you made lemonade earlier, so we go inside and get some of that. Yeah, and I'm starting to hear the music going on, so let's go ahead and pull ourselves off the front porch. But y'all, please do us the favor of checking on our writing efforts at tomahawkdick.com, where we strive to provide our thoughts on the Atlanta Braves each and every day, and not just right here on the porch. But for now, this is Off Leo's Rocker. Fred and I thank you for hearing out these two grumpy old men, and we'll see you next time. This has been Off Leo's Rocker, a podcast presentation from TomahawkTake.com and Fansided LLC, a subsidiary of Minute Media Inc. Opinions expressed on the show today are solely those of the participants since Minute Media has no idea what we're up to. All rights reserved. One of the musical selections used today comes to you... Wait a minute. Hey... All of the musical selections used today come via rights purchased by TomahawkTake.com. Aha! So, we thank you for tuning into the podcast today, and may all your innings be full of crooked numbers. We'll see you next time.
For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.